This episode of the Randy Russell Podcast is brought to you by Quid Pro Quo On The Go. For when you want to get something for giving something, when you're on the go and you don't want anyone to know. We're discreet. Find this in future episodes at rspeen.com and Apple Podcasts. Questions or comments, email us at rrpodcast2000 at gmail.com. Today's guest host is Teresa Columbus. She has been a performer for 25 years. She can be seen in the movie Moondust, the internet TV phenomenon, The Milwaukee Show, and she is the creator and co-director of the movie Shaza Show Choir, just to mention a few. She currently lives in Baltimore, but has lived in Milwaukee and other delightful places as well. Oh, and she asked that we improvise this intro, so we sure hope she likes it. Welcome to the Randy Russell Podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Columbus. It's my pleasure to introduce you to our guest today, a man you may see around town who is noticing all the flat surfaces or especially drawn to window box plants, um, Randy Russell. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah, hi. I'm, I'm happy to see you. Yeah. In town visiting. Um, yeah, the the window boxes now is is where people are uh, growing their own weeds since it's legal here now. Oh my God! That's kind of, that's, that's why that's you're so drawn to them, or were you drawn to them for uh, a long time? Well, before it was just about the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it's I'm become a small uh, money making venture. Oh, so you kind of get some off of the boxes as you walk by? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a little here and a little there. Yeah, a little dealing. <laughs> okay, that seems fair. It's free. Well, before we get um, on to uh, rambling too much, uh, what, we were just at an event yesterday, and I wanted to talk about that a little. Okay. Um, who you're in town for, yeah. before I forget. Because, you know, we get, we get, before we know it, it's an hour has gone by, and then we go, wait, we didn't talk about that. Okay. So it's about, and can you explain it a little more? Because I was there, and I wanted to ask questions, but I was too shy. Oh, there was very little time really allotted yeah. for Q&A anyway. But if you were to ask a question, what would it be? So what is the, the official name? Because... During it, she kept changing, kind of changing the names. Um, what was the woman's name? Her name was... Ashley Jank. Ashley. What was her last name? Jenka or Jenki. I'm not exactly sure how yeah, to Ashley, pronounce it. I think it's Jenka. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I never met her before. So she's involved with this new women's library. What's the official name? The Milwaukee Women's Art Library. Women's Art Library, okay. We were talking about making it the Milwaukee Women non Binary art library, women and non-binary art library. That was a discussion. That so was it's part of the dis- yeah. So part of this was the discussion of disforming or deciding the name of it. Well, the name is already okay. the Milwaukee. It's like M W A L, the Milwaukee Women's Art Library. And, and then what it's all 
going to be composed of? Uh, yeah, what is it going to be composed of? It's going to be like she unveiled kind of like the website, which is like anyone can submit pretty much anything related to women in Milwaukee that have made art. So ephemera, uh, video, paper, art images, uh, you know, just this library can, you know, archive. It's an archive. archive. Yeah. And it's part of the Charles Ellis Museum. Well, it may not permanently be that, but it is right it's now. It's starting now. Yeah, it's where it's There's starting. A, that room, the room upstairs is the room dedicated at this point. And it's semi-permanent is what they established. Yeah, semi-permanent meaning there's really no end date to it, right. but it's not necessarily going to be a room at the Charles Ellis mm-hmm. until the yeah. end of time. Yeah. Maybe be its own uh, freestanding building eventually. Yeah, yeah, the women's art. depends on fun- funding. Yeah, <laughs> a skyscraper, yeah, hopefully. Sky- yeah. the, first, the first library skyscraper. <laughs> be so good. Uh, yeah, every floor is a different couple artists and so she how did you find or how did she get in you get involved with it who contacted you was it ashley who contacted you yeah. about about getting involved yeah knowing you know knowing your other previous involvement and stuff here like with darling hall yeah oh, that's, that's nice. the main thing that she had heard about was darling hall and that that's what she is like um, so tell me the scoop about Darling Hall because it's something that when she got here as a Mayat student, she heard all she heard about it a lot. Also, she heard about. It. She, did she ever? Had she ever gone to no, Darling Hall? So she was hearing about it. Yeah. Secondhand. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. When you think about that, when you think about stuff that you've done or you're involved with, and then people, younger people, come and they hear about it. It's yeah. Kind of Hey, um, I'm going to pause and say, JJ, I forgot to tell you we're starting. <laughs> we started. <laughs> I said I was going to. Oh, I like okay. following through on those things. <gasps> but so, yeah, I know when younger people are like, you're the one that was part of this thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, to, and what they yeah. heard about it. Yeah. So what, what kind of stuff was she saying that she heard? I'm just curious. Well, I didn't even think about this yesterday. Now I'm just thinking about it. Like, yeah, that's like, what did she, what did she, What kind of things did she hear? Did well, she hear any rumors? Well, the one, I mean, she heard, I don't know. She didn't tell me any of the rumors, but she did tell me that she, like, just heard that it was an incredible art space that things happened in, that... It was just like ripples that meant that just a lot of people were referencing. And um, the one, the thing that she didn't hear was that it was run by women, which is interesting to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, that never came up according to her experience and from lots of different sources. It was never like, oh, it was like run by women. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it wasn't always run by only women, but for the bulk of the time there, it 
very much was. And so that's like, huh, I wonder how that detail, like to me that was really important and mm-hmm. it, it was surprising to me that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't mentioned. So it's exciting that now we get, I mean, that's not the most exciting aspect of getting to do like a tingle next summer. We're going to do like recreate a tingle showcase. But the, it is really nice to kind of be like, yeah, that was part of what was like, we never created a mission statement. Like this is women run, supporting mm-hmm. women artists, like the Dirt Palace, for example, in Providence, Rhode Island is run by women. Men have performed there a lot, use their facilities, but it's like, very much led by women. And the Dirt Palace. I've never heard of that. you never heard of no. the Dirt Palace? Providence? No. Uh-uh. Wow, I'm surprised. Because it's just like a stalwart. It's been there for like oh. a long time, I've 20 years. Pro- I've been to Providence. Too. Onlyville. It's like where Fort Thunder, near that whole... Do you know where there was all the art warehouses well, happening? I was, only, I was only in Providence once visiting. So I don't know much about Providence. Mm. Just the one theater. I was there for something, at a, you know, showing at a theater. Um, I walked around a lot. Yeah. Were you at that What's theater it? with the couches? Yeah, it had couches, I think. What was it called? Street car? Yeah, it was something like that. Street, no. It was cable, no. Cable car. Cable car? Yeah. Yeah, when the, when the a movie, American Job movie played there. Oh, okay. Um, when it was on, on tour. Mm-hmm. So that's, so I got to run around town for a couple of days. Yeah. It was my favorite town on our tour I oh, really liked it that's great and uh, and then we we spoke somewhere even yeah somewhere I think at uh, RISD mm, cool and, uh, but I, I yeah it was, it was like it's a cool town and also there was a diner I liked oh I bet I went to that diner was it like Lewis Diner Louis Louis or Lewis's or something like that it was a man's name old diner Whoa, was it, it was right good, near there? It was in the, well, I don't remember where it was near. Right. Yeah, I forgot. This was in the late 90s, so my, the geography starts to get, disappear. But it was a dirt palace side. Or, that's a, a, women, a place started by, run by women? Yeah, it is. Um, Xander, oh man. I can't remember her last name right now. And Pippi Zornzoa, Zorzoa, Zorn. um, they, and and a bunch of other women. They, it was an old library that they converted into living spaces. So like for seven women or seven or eight women were on the second floor and they created their own punk zine library on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then there was like, I mean, it was a huge building of like an old library of Providence. And there was like a space for performances, but then that got shut down. But then like a big music room, there was a silk screening, like a lot of, like you'll see a lot of silk screened posters from Providence. And that was part of that culture. There was a lot of warehouses in Olneyville that were doing a lot of great stuff in the I think it was like the the nineties, late nineties. That's um, yeah. Nineties, huh? Yeah. So I mean, all through the nineties, like maybe, but I visited it first in the late nineties. That I went to Fort Thunder, but then in the two thousands is when I was introduced to 
Dirt Palace. And yeah, it was such a functional group. They met every week and they have this beautiful art window downstairs where different artists will display their work in their like display window. And just, you know, they, it, you had an interview process to get in. It was feminist in nature. Yeah, anyways. I'll probably hear about it like somewhere randomly tomorrow. You know that how that always happens when you you yeah. talk about something for the first time and then yeah. suddenly it just comes We're up. Dirt palace, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for for the people listening, since this is um, fans of this podcast are all over the world, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we should explain what the Darling Hall Hall was. And the Tingle Showcase. Okay. Because, that's, because I bet some people don't know. And, um, and you know, <laughs> some people will know and they'll be redundant, but that's all right. Uh, they won't yes. go into massive yeah. detail for those folks, for those few folks outside that are actually local listeners. But, um, yeah, I, um, it was Darling Hall was a Really well, so going off of Dirt Palace, the people who lived there were, they were only we were only allowed three official roommates, and so the second floor was dwelling, um, and that kept switching and changing, um, and but it that certainly was not only women, but. Um, what Darling Hall was, I, hmm, oh my goodness, how do I say this quickly? I heard about this space that was open for rental. I moved in and immediately people started hearing about, because I had already been doing theater around town, that there was going to be a, there's going to be a performance space. So people like donated all this theatrical stuff, like within um, two months, we were all set up to have this little theater, and we had, and so, but yeah, so much help, so much, everyone just chipped in and helped get the space ready, and um, everyone being a whole bunch of amazing artists in Milwaukee that were already engaged in, like, communal art making in some capacity. We had just gone on tour with 20 people uh, to do a musical theater piece. So there's like all kinds of collaborations and like just a lot of energy. And so, um, so this was after. So how long were you living in or when did you move to Milwaukee? What year did you move here first? 95. So it was exactly 95. halfway through. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so then, yeah, so you, you had done a lot of performance and yeah. this came after you did the Shaza show yeah, choir right which was a traveling uh, theater it was, it was like a theater show and then yeah. a traveling show yeah. and then a movie yeah so when I yeah when I first visited here right when I first visited here in late in like 99 or so yeah I I should I can't I went to a party at the top of the Fister which was like at the, uh, the bar up there which was happened to be the rap party so I just remember that really specifically. It was the rap party for the film, shots of film. Really? And everyone was at the at this party. <laughs> and I met a whole bunch of people that day Whoa. for the first time. So I thought that was an interesting time to meet a lot of people right when they were finishing this big project, which is the, the movie. 
Of course, it wasn't a movie yet because it was the wrap, the wrap for the shooting, I guess. The shooting, but, yeah. So it still had a ways to go. Maybe we took like four more years to complete, yes. <laughs> That's the way movies go. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But so, so then, was do you feel like that was like your next big thing, kind of, the Darling Hall was? Yes. Was your, kind of the next big project after that? I, I mean, you did things in between, obviously, because you're always doing stuff. Well... Yeah, I mean, not in between, really, because it was right after it. Yeah, and you were the, still working on the editing. Oh, yeah, the movie was happening, yeah, yeah, so. totally, um, for the whole time I lived at Darling Hall, pretty much. But, um, but yeah, when I moved into Darling Hall, I wasn't thinking of it as my next big project. I was thinking of it as, like, a space that... Right, yeah like a lot of things would happen. It was very just like, well, I was very influenced by Pussycat Caverns in New Orleans, which was where I at first put on a play in my life, which mm-hmm. was run by Panacea Theriac, Miss Pussycat, who tours with Quintron and Pussycat. They're a, they're a local or like a touring duo. Of amazing. And she had been running this space for a few years. So I was in New Orleans before Quint, she even met Quintron. And so she was like, she was living with four other people that they had all moved from Olympia, Washington together. They went to Evergreen and moved down to New Orleans and started this like space that was a puppet theater. No, it wasn't a puppet theater. It was the first, when I got, when I moved to the neighborhood, it was, they were showing films at this space. But then I was there, I'd put on a play, Panacea put on a puppet show, and there was a band, and that was the first live show. And after that, there was tons of live shows. And Panacea just tapped into all this really lovely New Orleans, luscious performance community. So um, amazing shows happened there. And I just, that was my introduction to like DIY art. And, and, you know, I Mm -hmm. dropped out of college to move to New Orleans and just started meeting artists and was, my mind was blown by what was happening. And I was like, this is, this is making art. I see, you know? And so when I moved away from New Orleans to Milwaukee, I was just excited to make shit. And I was just, was making shit. And then and I met um, Pumpkin World, you know, those guys were all, they were making stuff together and like right. people were always yeah. in and out of Pumpkin World, which is AOK Video, otherwise known as with Zavla Play and um, DDA La Play and Brent Goodsell and Peter Berkman. And then Stephanie moved close, like right next door. So there was this like complex of all this art stuff happening there. Stephanie started Bamboo Theater. And so, yeah, I mean, we rehearsed Chaza in the basement of Pumpkin World, the AOK video. And I mean, me and DDA really, like, thought of, like, putting music and his, like, he had a dream of, like, making orchestral music to a play. So we gathered a bunch of people together and we're like, let's do this. And yeah, and so... Um, anyways, all that energy, uh, then moved 
And yeah, when I got back from Jazza tour and shooting, I feel like we shot in October. I feel like I moved into Darling Hall right after. I'm not sure I got, uh, but I feel like it was just like happened to come right after Chaza. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't quite well. That if you film finish shooting in '99, I was I didn't move here until the spring of 2000. I moved here in March 2000. Yeah, and that at that sense. time, yeah. So that was a, a ways before, but it probably wasn't too. Wait, wow. oh, did, that, was Darling Hall 2001? Was, been, yeah, I think it had to be 2001. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. This helping me clarify some things. Mm -hmm. I, so that year was more just working on the film and I'm, some mm -hmm. little performance stuff. And then, oh, I think that's the year me and Jenny Francis, Frankie Martin, I, I was like traveling back and forth right. to New York because <laughs> the reason I was looking for a place no, to Philly, I think. No, no, I met her in New York on Chaza tour, and then I collaborated with her. Yeah, oh, God. Anyways, so, yeah, there's that year, that year of 2000. That um, The reason I was looking for a place was because Jenny was moving to Baltimore. I mean, to Milwaukee. I always mix up those two words. She was moving to Milwaukee, and I was looking around to see if there was, like, a space that we would communally want to live together. Yeah. Okay, so there's yes. that year. Okay, yeah. So that's yeah. So at that point when she and she came to visit here, right? She came here and did a performance. I remember when I first met her. Yeah. And it, there was one. There was one at our when we were doing the Zero TV show, and, the, and we had that space that we called the um, Pyramid Lounge. Yeah. It was a, one of the sets for the Zero TV show. And, yeah. And we had we did so we had performance in there too parties and performances I remember and I yeah. remember she did one where she had did she have a knife or something it was something that was scary about it where it I felt like somebody's gonna get hurt and they did <laughs> Fletcher so it was this awesome piece it was it was she and I was her helper we were, both wore blue dresses and she had these pink foam boxes and inside of them were these little bags of fake blood and so uh, she would just we would stab these pink boxes and then blood was getting everywhere and then she invited audience members to just come up and stab boxes but of course that's just not gonna yeah. someone's gonna yeah. get cut yeah Fletch got cut but not too badly. And audience members, you know, and audience members <laughs> knives. Knives. <laughs> and knives. Ask them to wildly stab things. It's maybe not. It was, it was, it was uh, uh, memorable. It was great. Exactly it was great. I, I, yeah, it was good. And she made this soundtrack underneath that was like heavy metal backwards or something. Yeah. So you were trying to find a place for her to, to move here? We were going to maybe live together. But then when when I proposed Darling Hall, she wasn't interested. But then at that point, I was already invested. Like, I was like, oh, I, I have to live here. This is too great, you know? So then I just moved in. And I found some roommates. My first roommates was... I think we're Tadafa and Eric Ziggawide. I'm pretty sure. Wow, man, this is a lot of recollection. Is this interesting for people oh, to listen to? <laughs> Sarah, well, especially what do you think? Especially people who are involved. But maybe for anyone, though. So you were living in the River West neighborhood before that, right? Yes, I remember with vis Stephanie. visiting you there. Yeah. And then, um, and then Darling Hall was on the south side. Yes. Is that, a, is that Walker's Point officially? 
Or is that? I think so. Yeah, so it's anywhere. It's a short walk from Konohitas. Very short. And so it was, a, it was a old. What was that building in that building before? Did you, did you ever find out? What was it? It was, huh. it was the kind of building that die casting place. It's the kind of building. Oh, it was it was, it was the kind of a factory building. Not it wasn't a it wasn't a, a tavern of some type. It looks like a tavern. It probably so was at some point. When I moved in, there was still this. There's a big. There was a large machine in the basement that, like, you could cut leather with, basically, or cut. Oh. Or someone said it was called die casting, which I don't really know about but there was a, still a machine I guess it was there the whole time I never left I wonder if it's still there and all these scraps of like vinyl and leather that you could cut like the, yeah okay so there was some type of manufacturing or little, little something going on there yeah but it had a so it was like a big downstairs it was just wide open did you have to tear down walls in the in the main floor no no so it was just a big open yeah Performance space. Yeah. And then people built stage. Paul Duca built the stage. He offered, he was yeah. like, hey. Paul built, yeah. Yeah. And so at the first single showcase, the very first act was him putting the final nail in the stage yeah, and dancing. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and you got curtains and... And then the upstairs was where you lived. Yeah, that I had to build a wall. I was in an open space. <laughs> there were two rooms, and then I, I had to make my own little room with fabric. But I never really had a room with some dividers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I wish I had. It's, do you think somebody videotaped all the Tinkle showcases? I'm in the process of archiving them right so, now. So someone did to some degree, right? Well, you know. Peggy Taylor, what, I have to ask her exactly. I know I said, Peggy has a copy of almost every Tingle showcase. She like arranged to have a videotape made every time of the footage. I can't remember, I feel like different people arranged to have the footage done. There was a period where I just videotaped with my own camera. I'd ask people to just do it. Um, there was a period where Zero TV was interested in making Tingle a regular part of Zero oh, TV, yeah. and they yeah. would set up their fancy cameras, and yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of footage from that. Cause, I'm, yeah. Because I've, I've known theater people in the past who are notoriously, notoriously bad about documenting every, anything because they just don't want to deal with the tech, technical side of it. I think, you know, because yeah. a lot of theater people are just like, no, we're not filming. We're theater, not the filmmakers. It's and, for liveness. And they yeah. try to do it. And, and so, someone told me once, like, oh, yeah, we try to do it once in a while. And then someone kicks the camera and it falls over. <laughs> the whole thing's like, well, the camera's yeah. showing the wall. And so it's, there's just, just don't, you, a lot of times don't care enough, you know. So, but it's, it's then later maybe you wish you did, though, because, um, yeah, I'll be. I'll look forward to seeing seeing that. It'll bring back. It'll help me remember. Oh my god! Because it was such a, a big blur that time. Yeah. Because it's it's a while, it's a while ago now too. We have every single one. We have. I'm pretty sure we have every single Tingle showcase. And um, I last night, me and Janine were watching some of them and. 
I mean, just like we only wanted a little bit. We watched Peggy do this crazy like act with a skeleton costume and, and it was really wild. Because I was usually backstage, like putting on my next costume for announcing stuff, so I haven't seen a lot of oh, these. That's right. Yeah, that's true. If you were, if you were performing a lot, MC, you would miss a lot. Yeah, that's I true. missed almost everything. Uh-huh. But I, there was one that I'm, I'm thinking you wrote, and maybe you can clarify this mystery. And it's really great that it just happened because me and Janine only watched like 10 minutes but like right after the thing that Peggy did came on this thing called It's a Wonderful Life. Did you write that? Oh, that sounds like something that I might have wrote. It was Anna and uh, Anna Siri, D'Antoni and um, Sarah Moore and Peter Berkman and then they're talking about Charlie and they're talking about dumpster diving and like what they got out of the dumpster, these ramen noodles at the ramen dumpster and then Oh, that sounds familiar. Maybe um, I wrote it, or maybe co-wrote it. Maybe Peter co-wrote it. I think I feel like Peter and I collaborated. Peter Berkman and okay. I collaborated on some stuff. He might remember better than I do. Okay. And because uh, yeah, we and I and I always wanted I wanted to do more. To there was a certain point where I stopped doing stuff. Like I don't know why. Doing and, uh, what? Right, writing, or you know, writing some theatrical stuff, hmm. um, and and it was still, Tingle was still going on. I don't remember. Maybe it was after you left town, though. I don't remember. But I, I remember that Monica was at, kept asking me and inviting me ah. to write stuff and perform stuff, and I and I and I really appreciated that that she kept asking me. She, hmm. You know, she kept bugging me. Not bugging me, bugging, you know, but she kept inviting me. Yeah. And I was really appreciative, and then I didn't, and I just felt kind of bad about it. You know, it's like you feel, and it's just, it was out of maybe laziness or just being busy with other stuff. Yeah. But those are the kind of things that you then kind of regret a little bit later on. You, you know, still can write them. I should have put a little more effort into it. It at that time because yeah, it's, it was the chance to do it. Well, do you, do you remember where the name when you thought of the name Darling Hall, where that came from? Or it, oh, Shu Ling was the first roommate, it was Shu Ling. Oh, I remember her, yeah, yeah. That was great. Oh. it was because Stephanie was her t- film teacher, she was the only like female that were, was in most of any of Stephanie's film classes at UWM, and she just was like, there's this young filmmaker that I think might be really interested in moving in. And yeah, she was awesome. It was her, oh, I, yeah, I think Eric actually came later. I can't, okay, I can't. I think it might've been Java and Shuling, is that possible? And me for the first few months? Anyways, um, but that actually doesn't answer the question about Darling Hall. I remember being, I just remember it wasn't there's not actually a good story I just named it <laughs> I just named it because I thought it was a cute that's name a good, that's a good name it's, a, it's just a, it's a really a, the appropriate name like it was the right name it's like when when you come up with stuff it's you know, that's just the right yeah it seems inevitable like it couldn't be any other name that's like one of those things yeah it felt like it was. It had something to do with the nature of like how 
things were working. Like things were so like charmed and like we were having weekly brunches at that time and there was just so much darlingness. It just felt like, yeah, it was in the air. <laughs> How about uh, Tingle Showcase? Is it the similar, same, same, similar, similar thing? yeah. Like, hmm, what would be a well, That's the advantage yeah. of of sometimes not having corporate sponsorship. <laughs> or you have to name things like the Fiserv. It would have been the, instead of Darling Hall, it would have been Fiserv. Fiserv. That's the name of the new. Is that the name of the new? Am I even pronouncing that right? Yeah, the name of the new giant basketball arena. Oh, Fiserv. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's some kind of a company. Yeah. Nobody knows what they do. I. But they put the money behind it, so they want the name. Right. So you know, it could have, it could have been you know, the uh, Northwestern Mutual Showcase. <laughs> <laughs> Tingle Showcase is much better. Yeah, because it makes you. Yeah. And plus, you you can do you you're doing your own. Making your own decisions creatively. Yeah, at that time, I wasn't, like, asking other people yet, like, for what they thought it should be. But then that became more a part of the process. Yeah. And so now you live in Baltimore, right? I do. You thinking of moving back? <laughs> people always ask you that when you visit? No. Every time you visit, people ask you if you're moving back, right? No. <laughs> Maybe just you. <laughs> but we're always trying to get you to move to Baltimore. Yeah, people always, yeah, that's what people do. They're trying to get, get them to move to their cities. <laughs> their city. Um, I don't think that comes up. I'm sure sometimes I get asked that, but yeah. I've, if I were, I, and I have said this many times, if I move, if I ever move again, it'll be to Milwaukee because I'm not going to move somewhere and not already have a history. Like that would be such a waste of time in my current way of thinking. At some, I was, I was kind of thinking, well, I, I don't, I've had different thoughts about that. No, it's, it's a kind of a conflict when you're moving somewhere I kind of feel like I should, if I'm going to move somewhere, I want to move somewhere where I've never lived before. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's so exciting moving somewhere for the it used to first be. time. <laughs> it's but then, not. But then that, but moving somewhere, probably the biggest reason to move somewhere is because you're, you're or the best reason is because of the friends there. Right. And that, and moving somewhere where you don't know anybody is really hard. I mean, I could see moving somewhere that you do know a bunch of people. And maybe, yeah, maybe you know a lot of people, but you haven't lived there before. Right. But, yeah, not for me. Not. That, that's something I'm kind of happy that I don't have that dilemma anymore. Like, there was always that little, like, am I going to move somewhere else? What's, is, is this my last place? And, like, after I did it, it was that question that was itching me, like, am I going to move? And then I did, and it was it was amazing, and it was terrible, and it's I love Baltimore, but yeah, I love it, and I would never leave it unless unless I felt like I needed to leave it, in which case I would live somewhere else that I lived for a long time. So you really like Baltimore still, then? Oh yeah, I'm, oh, I'm in love with Baltimore. 
I've heard a lot of nice things about it, and I still haven't even visited. Oh, you've never I'm been there. I'm embarrassed to say, even say that. <laughs> and, and, and Stephanie invi has invited me so many times, and I still haven't. I feel... I, I'm, I'm like, I don't like traveling as much as I did when I was younger. Um, which is... It's kind of not true, because I really love... I love visiting places. I love being in new places, experiencing mm -hmm. places. That's the traveling part of traveling. Is it just oh really hard? You sound like being in transit. Yeah, the no matter what it is, the car I don't like, bus, the train. You don't like trains? I'm surprised. Well, I like trains are my favorite. Uh -huh. What I always tell people is I love train travel and I hate Amtrak. It makes sense mm. because the Amtrak drives me. They drive me crazy how they run stuff. It's just every time there's a every time I go somewhere there's a some kind of a huge fiasco, mm. like something goes goes wrong, and um, it's a it's a weird company. I mean, half the people are like so great. A lot of the people are really great, and some of them aren't. And I've had like conflicts with people, and. Um, well, not that bad. Well, just no. Some people, I, I, people, they're actually, you know, have been mean to me. You feel like you're going to get in trouble. On the train. Yeah, like I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm in trouble now. You know, huh. people like scold you. Oh. And then other people are are really great. Maybe they. I should just say they make the nice people make up for the mean ones. But still, I just. I feel like every train trip I go on, there's something that. I've been crazy about it. Maybe I'm just not a good traveler. Maybe. You know, like the people who go to, you know, the people who travel a lot, I just admire how they can put up with it. You know, things like bathrooms not working and, um, and just, you know, and things, you know, missing some, missing the, the your connection or whatever, you know, all the anxieties of traveling that I always have a problem with. Yeah. I guess I'm the opposite because I still love Greyhound buses and no one on earth loves Greyhound buses. Yeah, you, well, you're a good... Yeah, you, if, you, if you like the Greyhound... <laughs> so you still like Greyhound buses? I still do. I, I like Greyhound buses. You probably like everything. Well, maybe not airplanes as much, right, though? You know, it's funny. This year, I, I was going to take the bus here and then I was like, oh, shit, it's more expensive than an airplane and I only have four days and I don't want to waste my time on a bus, so I took the plane. Um, and I, there's things I like about it. It's it, it was surprising to me, though, how everyone looked so not excited in the waiting area. I was like, this is America. What's going on? Everyone looked really, like, down. <laughs> like, come on, we're about to go on a trip. Yeah, I don't know. Feel like, yeah, everyone's like zombies when they get to the airport. They all turn to, like, the, uh, it's like they're all on drugs. They seemed a little drugged out. Some people were, like, chatting on the phone or eating some chicken fries or something. But I don't know. For the most part, I was surprised because... I have this association with airports, and it did feel that way when I got to Chicago, like a bustling, like, we're going places, little kids, and, like, there, it felt that way in Chicago, but Baltimore Airport, people didn't seem, maybe it's because I took the economy flight, and it was just the people that were kind of not 
<laughs> I don't know that excited about uh, traveling. I well, don't some know. of them are, tra you know, a lot of people are, on, you know, the, the people on airplanes a lot for business. It's just so, uh, it's so dull to them, you know. A lot of people, at the place where I work, the people travel a lot for business. And I think they're probably, they have their whole routine and they get out and they're just totally blase about yeah. it. Yeah. They're just kind of like getting through. Maybe that's through it. They weren't going on a trip. The place, they're yeah. just working. Yeah. I sat next to a lady who was like travels often for work, but she was kind of zingy. Actually, I take back what I said about economy class because you'd think that people taking cheap flights would be the most like, oh yeah, I'm not like big bucks but I want to do shit but like yeah. It, yeah so I don't know it just didn't seem like people were very excited my first first time I went on a plane that was exciting when I was seven <laughs> so it's like I should well actually it's it's I mean it's also it's exciting getting on a plane and getting and, be, and getting off and being somewhere really far away and different that's exciting yeah getting, yeah. You know, getting on Playing in the winter and getting off, and there's palm trees and people in shorts. I mean, what's not exciting about a plane? You're flying up in the clouds. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, that it's exciting, but it's it's just the whole the, all the the airports and all the the airport and getting having to get there early and waiting and all the security, and then they're too small. I'm claustrophobic too. Ah, uh, yeah. I was claustrophobic on the bus on the way over here. See, I'm. Yeah, wait, on the way over here, you were feeling smushed? Yeah, because there was no, no uh, air circulation. See, yeah. Because what? I was, couldn't breathe. There was oh. no air, air circulation. Oh, no air there was no air on? Yeah. That's you can't open the You can open the windows, actually, but you have to be the, the bold person who opens the window. Right. Which I'm never on. See, I'm the opposite of claustrophobic as well because I am happiest when I'm completely smushed and, like, my ideal, like, sleeping condition is in a tent made for two people with, like, four people in it. Like, I love compression. So, yeah, I guess that's partially why traveling is a pleasure to me because I like being compressed. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, maybe, I, I mean, there, there's probably times when I, I might like a tent for two people. <laughs> as long as the fresh air is being yeah. in, yeah. Depending on who's in the tent. Right. I mean, yeah. It's like the, the yeah, a lot of times in the. Well, I, I, I've been on some a couple of flights recently that were not that recently, but the last few were fine. And then I went on a car trip. I hadn't been in a car for a long time. I mean, I've been in a car around town, but I hadn't gone on a trip. Uh -huh. So I rented a car last summer, and I had a really fun time. How far did you I, go? This is to Ohio. Uh huh. To visit my brother and some friends, but it was it was fun except for the the highway. That you know, the turnpike is not fun. I like the driving part, but I just don't like the highways. Hmm. I'm a little spoiled. I'm not a driver, so. I'm always a passenger on those trips, and I feel like I want to become a driver because I feel like it's probably a good skill to have, and also I want to help out in those circumstances. I feel like I've gotten driven around a lot, which is I'm very appreciative of all all of the people out there that have driven me. Thank you. Well, it's a good time <laughs> to thank them. Yeah, I'm going to thank them too for all the people who have driven me. 
especially. I haven't had a, a car since 1999 now. Ah. Which is, like, which is the math is easy there. <laughs> I think that's 20 years, right? Um, <laughs> I sold my car for in Portland for twenty dollars. Oh, twenty buckaroos! <laughs> but the, I was glad I did. I mean, I was glad I. You know, you think of Portland as a place you could be without a car, and then Milwaukee is a place where you need a car. But I was like the opposite. I had a car in Portland, moved here, and never had a car in Milwaukee. Huh. But I used to borrow them a lot. Ah. You're a person I think of as a serious walker. I've known a few of those. Yeah, I, lo I, lo I love walking, so I, may, I, may, I never, there's nothing bad about walking ever, I feel. <laughs> it's interesting. One thing that's interesting about walking, even if you go a few days without walking very much, and you go out and you, go, you decide you have to go somewhere, like walk, you know, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour. It's, it feels weird. Like, you, you ever notice that? If you haven't walked in a while and you start walking yeah. and you go like, my back hurts and I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And my back's hurting and I feel awkward. Like, I don't know how. You need to get those grooves. And then yeah. once, you get go and once you get going, you, you start feeling better and better. It is so good for you. It's really good for you. And your body is like made to do it and it lubricates your joints and it's really good. Yeah, I just got to like, got to like it more and more. See, I just always ride my bike so I forget about walking because it seems like I'm already slower than everybody getting places. So if I go even slower, I'll just never get there. But walk when I remember to like make some time to walk sometimes, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. It uses different muscles and feels it's a good feeling. Yeah, I guess I ride, when I because I ride my bike more in summer, so I walk mm -hmm. less. Mm -hmm. so I noticed that. Yes, seems to end up being kind of a contra contradiction of what you think. You think you walk more in the summer, but it's you know, walking in the winter is nice too. Yeah, it's when I like it the most, maybe. Mm. Oh, it's rain. Is it raining out now? It does sound like it. This was a just a such a, a pretty day. Yeah. Did you did you like the rainy day today? I love it. When I'm at, when I'm at like at, my, at a job and people are, they they say have the worst language or they say, this is a terrible day. They'll say like really negative things about rainy day, which I I understand because everyone likes the sunny, beautiful right. sunny days, but but I always want to argue. But then I don't want them to think that's like that weird guy who just gonna get mad at me for saying it's a bit a terrible day or a bad day. It's not but it, mad. But it, was, but it was really beautiful looking out at the lake today. It was just like pretty spectacular. The lake looked spectacular. Okay. The cloud, the cloud, the clouds over because it was windy too. Oh, there's a train whistle here. I guess we should explain that we're not at the usual podcast studio. Yeah. But maybe we won't say exactly where we are. Like, should we keep it a little secretive? Yeah, right, yeah. I kind of gave a little hint when I yelled out earlier to a person. Did you say JJ, though? I said that's just a little mysterious, too. No one knows who JJ is. Some do. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, but I don't even know why she's called JJ. I don't either. And I it's don't. not even her initials. No, but <laughs> there's something there. Well, you know, my, my dad's um, nickname was JJ. Really? What, are those his initials? Yeah, his name is John James. Ah. Uh, so he had a, a. When I was growing up, I was totally confused because his name was John. James Russell. So he went by JJ. That was in the phone book, JJ Russell. Huh. So he went by JJ, but he was mostly went by Jim, which is the nickname for John. No, which is the nickname for James. So Jim was his most common name, which was the nickname for your his middle name. And John was his first name. The nickname for John is Jack. And the nickname for a short name is another short name? It's but weird. He, but he was never Jack. You know, like Jack, yeah, th those are weird nicknames. Yeah. John, Jack is the nickname for John, and, and Jim is the nickname for, for James. James. Yeah, and James, that's weird, too. And my dad was all those, but he wasn't Jack. But maybe someone called him Jack, too. Maybe. But I think he just called other people Jack when he was mad. <laughs> Jack. I, is Jack also short for for Jacob or no Jake? What could, well, Jake. Ja Jacob is usually Jake, Jake, but it could be Jack. Jack. You know, if no. maybe a anyone, anything can be a nickname. I suppose. Like <laughs> JJ could be a nickname for Melissa. <laughs> yeah, it could be. JJ. Yeah. But I guess there's a train nearby here because I just heard it. That sounded great. And the little Tweety Birds and the rain. I liked, I liked living near the trains in the past. And Me too. My brother doesn't like them. He oh. said the trains would keep them awake. They're annoying. They but I said, I love the, the trains. Yeah. Uh, that's. I lived near them in the Bywater in New Orleans. And I also heard the war, the boats on the wharfs and I loved those sounds. All oh, the boats. Yeah. Did they make the like those Ooh, horns? Yeah. Foghorn? Yeah. Oh that sounds really romantic. It is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are, uh, can I say your name? Oh, yeah. they, I just had a sudden memory. That's our, our producer. <laughs> our producer just reminded me of a silly time that I lived in Chicago. I was, like, not really living in Chicago. I was staying there part-time and working at a fake flower shop, like, that sold fake ficuses and I sold a fake ficus like on my first day working there so they were like oh you're really good at this but that was pure luck because I was terrible at that job and I felt a little guilty because in the and I really wanted a job in Chicago even though I was living in Milwaukee but I would like travel to Chicago because I had a play that I was rehearsing in Milwaukee and then I'd get there and I wouldn't sleep at all and I'd be falling asleep literally as I was trying to sell fake ficuses <laughs> and, uh, but I felt bad because I also in order to get the job I didn't I mean I didn't really manipulate it that much but I did tell the lady she kind of she kind of, the woman who was hiring basically was kind of fishing to find out if I was a Christian. And I was like, I didn't say I was a Christian, but I didn't 
seem like I wasn't a Christian. I was just like, Jesus is really cool or something. I don't know what I said, but um, I just remember like letting her believe I was a Christian on purpose so I could get the job. And anyways, when I was living there with my friend Jen Ambrose, they're like sleeping over her place a few times a week. Um, and I'd be home in the daytime and she'd go to work and I was like, or was that in Milwaukee? I think it was in Chicago. Um, I was like, I'm just kind of freaked out because whenever I like am out like like all day long, like people are beeping right outside of our house and I think someone is selling drugs because like people are like beeping and then I guess someone just comes down and gives them the drugs. Or like when I come outside and I like there's an alley right behind the place and like cars are always pulling up and like beeping right at the alley. And she was like, Teresa, you know that like cars beep as they're exiting the alley so that no one gets hit, like to alert. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I didn't do that. Okay. Great. I don't know. I think that it, anytime, if you suspect someone's selling drugs, they probably are. <laughs> All those people were probably on drugs. They're so, yeah. We're just going to act like we're beeping because we're exiting the alley. It's, that's the drug signal. Yeah. But there's good. a lot of drugs out there. There are, but there was another drug related incident right near that place that I think I should share. I was arrested for being a prostitute. You, you, you know about that. No. I was arrested for prostitution. You didn't know that? In Chicago, I was walking to go to a job interview at a grocery store. And I was wearing like a sweater that was like not sexy and carrying a big macrame bag. And I waved at, I was, I waved at a man that like I had worked with and he stopped his car and I talked to him and then he drove on and as he left I like did a, a crazy clown dance basically like see you later waka 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 and then a white car started following me and I was like this is weird and then I like kept walking and trying to lose this car and like I finally was like when I turned around, he would turn around and he was like calling to me and I was like, I'm going to call the police. And he was like, go ahead. And so I like, <laughs> called the police. And as I was on the phone, this a woman who was a... Um, it, a woman came in and was like, you're going to get your butt in Cook County, which I thought was a hospital, but it's jail. And <laughs> I was like, I'm calling the police. Leave me alone. And and then so the police came and it and then the guy in the car was like, oh, I'm scared because they were co-workers. The guy in the car was a policeman undercover. And I was like, uh, do you think I would call the police with my big old macrame bag if I was trying to... They were like, 
uh, should we let her go? And the guy in the car was like, take her in. And so they handcuffed me and brought me to the Chicago police station. And so I'm sitting there handcuffed to a bench and these two police officers are like going through my bag and like I have my movie festival pass and I was like, uh, what do you think I'm a prostitute, really? And they were like, um, they were like, well, uh, I was like, well, they, they, we were talking. They were kind of humoring me a little bit. And they were like, well, you waved to that car. And I was like, uh, can you tell me, like, do most prostitutes do like little clown dances? Like <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they were like, well, we thought you were on crack. And I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. They did not. You know the story, don't you? When I was arrested in Chicago for prostitution, I was. They gave me my notebook, so I had one hand handcuffed, and then my other hand. My right hand was free, and I was, like, writing. I wish I still had that writing. I don't think I do. I might. But I, like, was writing and writing, and I was, like, looking at them, like, I'm writing all this down. Oh, is it over? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're just like, it's going well. And whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just funny, because, I mean, they, he was truly, it was true, he was fucking with me. He was not. He did not think I was a prostitute. And when I went into court, they were like, the judge was like, clearly this was a misunderstanding, right? Don't wave to people on that street. It was a street where there was a lot of prostitution. And I was like, okay. And like the the police guy kind of like under his breath was like, I'm going to get you or some like cheesy ass sitcom thing where he was just trying to be stupid. He was just fucking with me. And I, yeah, I was like. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was trying to, to date you. I think he was being like a power, like he was on a power trip that he could fuck with like a young woman. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know, date, but like harass is more like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, for some people, that might be the two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it but certainly uh, is sometimes. Yeah. Uh, when, so when you, when you, uh, you got to your job interview, uh, Late, your job interview. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't get to my job interview. It was not really, like, a... That'd be a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, I was... <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm late for the interview. I was arrested. <laughs> for prostitution. <laughs> yeah, that would have probably gotten me the job. I was wrongly accused. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrongly accused for soliciting sex from a man in a car. Okay, well, thanks for um, having me on the, the podcast. <laughs> I'm really and, pleased that you came over. Okay, thanks. And thanks for um, JJ. Yeah, studio.